your seat and turn to your neighbor and say, boy, am I glad you're here to hear this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be good. <clears throat> well, good morning, mighty men of God. I, as we're worshiping, um, God just kind of reminded me that things are not the same as they used to be. They're rapidly changing, as you can see, with the headlines and in your own schools, neighborhoods, and, and what you're seeing in the world today. Um, sometimes we're expecting God to move um, after something has changed or after something has been done, but um, it's not in the absence of evil or people that are, are uh, causing trouble, but it's in spite of evil and people that are causing trouble. So in other words, things not, are not going to become a Shangri-La in order for the kingdom of God to move forward. And the kingdom of God moves forward because we choose to move forward. In the book Modern Day Night by Robert Lewis, his four core manhood ideals or mandates that he talks about leading courageously, rejecting passivity, taking responsibility, and looking for a higher reward. This morning we're going to talk about the first two, courageously and passivity. Obviously, both uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, if you will. Joyce Meyer defines courage as not the absence of fear. Courage is taking action despite fear. Courage is not the absence of fear, but taking action despite fear. I like what Winston Churchill says. He also addresses that. He says, courage is the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all others. Courage enables us to walk those things out, to take the initiative. And it's not, and again, in the absence of fear, but despite fear. Uh, Dan Seaborn spoke Sunday night, and he said that things are not the same. He said that this is not, not a time to sit back, but it's a time to advance. It's a time to recognize the days that we live in are like none other. And we have been chosen not in the Middle Ages, not in the 1800s, not in the early 1900s, but for today, we have been chosen to live. And I believe we're on the doorstep of his re return. So we get to see a lot of neat things, but there's also a lot of things the Bible says will cause the hearts of men to tremble or to fear or to fail them. So there's never been a time for us to step up as of right now as men of God in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and even places like vacation. <laughs> Sometimes God will have those divine appointments right on vacation. And you're like, wow, God, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> I ordained this time for you to meet with this person and to say that to them. And it's just having the courage to do so. I chose to speak of David because he's a man after God's own heart. We think of David as the mighty king, ruled 40 years, uh, a leader, uh, a warrior of warriors, a warrior poet, wrote much of the, of the, um, of the so uh, Psalms. And I like what people have said, you've probably heard me say this before, that um, if you ever wanted to know what David thought and how his relationship with God was, all you have to do is read the Psalms. It was his prayer journal. David's prayer journal was written down. We've heard about C.S. Lewis, and we've heard about Smith Wigglesworth, and we've heard about D.L. Moody, all these great men of God, but the man after God's own heart, that was written down for us as well. So if you want to know what David thought and what his relationship with God was like, all you have to do is read the Psalms. It's very clear how, how David felt and um, what he thought about God. I chose also because David was a man of both passivity and extreme courage. 
Let's start out with the extreme courage first. 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 to 37. It says here, <coughs> David, after uh, talking to Saul and saying, hey, who's going to address this guy? Who's going to talk and, and fight? But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, most guys would turn and run. If it turns on you, right, you're like, oh, boy, now I started something. When it, and it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And here's, here's where David's strength is. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So again, David is reminding himself in the past, the past victories that you men have experienced, remind yourself of that for the next battle. Remind yourself that that has been training for what is ahead. See, nothing with God is ever wasted. It's always preparation and training for what is ahead. When David was charging Goliath, this was his perspective. It wasn't about, yeah, you're messing with the wrong guy. He said, you're messing with the wrong God in this guy, so to speak. David said to the Philistine, you have come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I have come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. We just sung about that, the name. What's in a name? Everything. Jesus, he saves. Christ, the anointed. Jesus was uh, the anointed Savior. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I have come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by the sword or spear, but that the Lord saves, and he will give all of you into our hands." So again, David, as he was a shepherd boy, spent a lot of time with God. He was building his faith, building his connection with God, and he knew who he was in God. It wasn't so much about uh, David and, and his, his abilities, but it was God in him. That was the source of strength. That was the source of his power. Matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 16, David was overlooked. He had, there were seven sons, and Samuel said to Jesse, you got any more? <laughs> he goes, well, there's one more, but he's out watching the sheep. Out watching the sheep. Well, go get them. <laughs> so he comes, and, and he anoints David as king. And again, God didn't look at the exterior, the, the captain of the football team, but he looked at a, a young man whose heart was right. It wasn't about talent. See, talent and character, gentlemen, are different. We we. Uh, laud and, and, and applaud and, and praise the giftings and the talents of certain men, whether it be on the sport, sporting field or, or in, the, in, the, in the law, in the courtroom or wherever it might be. But God looks at our character. That's what counts with God. As, as uh, Dan again, Seaborn mentioned on Sunday, success with God is obedience. Obedience. Yeah, obedience. God says that he'd rather have obedience and sacrifice. That's what he told Saul. I'd rather have your obedience than sacrifice. You can do all kinds of things, but are, are we obeying God? Am I listening to God? Am I, am I saying, okay, God, what, here I am, send me. Joshua 1.9 has a powerful suggestion. <laughs> he says, be strong and courageous. No, it's a command. Have I not commanded you? 
So if we weren't able to do it, God wouldn't command us to do something that we weren't able to do. He says, only be strong and courageous, for I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. Have you ever felt all alone? Felt abandoned? Felt rejected? Felt less than? Felt totally incapable? That's, and then Paul says, hey, that's okay, because when I'm weak, he is strong. So when you're weak, you know, you're a weakling. Ever have somebody call you a weakling when you're a kid? You know, you, oh, you can't even lift that. Well, God says, I'm not looking for those who are strong. I'm looking for those who are weak so I can manifest my power upon you and in you and through you. I'm just going to say this. I wasn't going to talk about Samson, but Samson, people said, you know, you always see Bible stories and in the Sunday school programs, right? Samson's just, you know, looks like James DeMello or, or Arnold Schwarzenegger or whoever, Lou Ferrigno. That's an older name for the older guys. <laughs> but having said that, they're all big macho men, right? Why on earth would the Bible say they didn't know where he got his strength from? Unless he was a hulking figure. He was not Captain America. He was not Hulk. He was Samson, who had long hair and was a Nazarite, and the strength came from the Spirit of God. It was not Samson. It was the Spirit of God in Samson. Anything that we do, as Paul said, hey, I did, I did a lot of stuff, guys. I even did more than the other apostles. But wait a minute, wait a minute. It wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me. So it's a reminder that the power, the talent, the giftings, the anointing does not emanate from Randy or Johan or Brian or Dave or Sue or, or Mary. It comes from the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it's best, best and better that I go away because the one who will come along your side, the paraclete's a, a fancy name for, a companion who is by your side. Which is another example of Jesus when he sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two. Because there's that synergy that takes place. One plus one is greater than two. And whether it's a close friend or a parent or your wife, when you are with them, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. The Bible also says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. At times, I think I've surprised myself about how I stepped out and did things in the calling and anointing of God. And I've also been amazed at my inability to do something because of fear. So we just talked about David, David's example, fighting Goliath, and he also had many successes, but the Lord gave him those successes again. The credit continually goes to God. It can't come to me. It can't come to us personally, but we give glory to God. Well, that was David's example of being a powerful man in God, relying on him, the power of the Holy Spirit. There's also part of his life that wasn't so great. Uh, parts of his life like us. And that's why I want to say this. Sometimes we can look at these Bible heroes and call them heroes and like, whoa. Well, they also had those times where they tripped up. Anybody here trip up, fail, overlook something, refuse to do something because of whatever reason, what it might look like? So Robert Lewis, again in the book, talks about rejecting passivity. And a good definition of passivity, which I asked Siri and she told me, <laughs> is acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance. Acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance. 
Someone said something to me years ago. They said, you know, Randy, you're, you're making a decision by not doing anything. <laughs> and I didn't like that. <laughs> but someone was calling me out. When we decide to do nothing, it's a decision. We're deciding not to address something. We're deciding to, to not show an act of response or resistance. David, near the end of his life, had not yet declared Solomon to be king. So Adonijah, his son, another son, takes advantage of the situation and declares himself to be king, despite the fact that Solomon was clearly the next in line to be king. In the New Living Translation, 1 Kings 1.6 talks about this. It says, Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him <clears throat> excuse me, at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Well, wait a minute. David commanded armies, fought Goliath, became king, all kinds of successes, man of God, a man for God's own heart, and somehow he overlooked the ability or the responsibility to discipline his son. And by doing that, he opened up the door for Adonijah to try to take advantage of a situation where Solomon was not clearly declared to be king. So Adonijah said, I'll do it. I'll take advantage of that situation. Promotion does not come from the east or west, but from the Lord. Okay? It's okay to have desires and aspirations, but ultimately those, those promotions, those opportunities come from God himself. Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet intervened at this time when Adonijah declared himself king and reminded David that Solomon was to be the rightful heir of the throne. And to David's credit, he immediately responds and declares Solomon to be king and stopped the whole situation from cascading downward. Matter of fact, 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 and 2. I think I wrote that down wrong. But Actually, no, this is a different one. Excuse me. What's happening here is Bathsheba noticed the situation. And she said, this is not good. She said, Solomon is supposed to be king, not Adonijah. So her and Nathan went to address the situation, and they, and they talked to David about this. So there are people there again. David was still king. And they went before him and said, hey, oh, king will king live forever, all due respect. You're not doing your job. You're not handing off the mantle. You're not hand, passing the torch. So God at times will use people in our lives to remind us. At times it's our wives. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> are, are you going to talk to Colton about this? Are you going to mention this to Jacob? <laughs> or do I have to do it? Um, so at times, again, uh, I've been courageous, and at times I've missed it, like King David, a man after God's own heart. Bathsheba, another opportunity um, that David could have said no to, but he didn't. Second Samuel 11, verses 1 and 2, in the, in the spring, at the time of the kings, when they go off to war... David remained in Jerusalem. David wasn't doing his job at the time. He remained in Jerusalem. And one evening, he got up from his bed and walked around the roof at the palace and saw a woman bathing. 
and you know the rest of the story from there. So leisure and recreation and vacation entertainment is pretty important to Americans. But there's a time to vacation, a time to enjoy rest, a time to take a break. There's a time for everything, as Ecclesiastes says. That was not the time for King David to be taking a break. And in that leisure time, Satan saw an opportunity, and he put it before King David, and he fell. David was a man of passion. He was a man of courage, a man of accomplishment, a godly man. He loved God with all his heart, soul, and mind. But he also was a man like us. Sometimes we step up to that plate and we hit a home run. Other times we go back to the dugout, striking, striking out again. It's not to accept and to be okay with failing, with making a mistake, with falling for that same sin again. But it's a reminder of our dependence on God. It's a reminder that what he has done in us is not done yet. And that everything and everything that we've done has been by God's strength in us. Paul said, the good that I, I, I want to do, I don't. And the bad things I don't want to do, I do. He goes, oh, what a wretched man I am. But praise be to God who, give, who deserves the glory for I will one time, one time soon uh, be glorified with him. So even Paul, the Apostle Paul, again, there's the hero of the faith, you know, on the pedestal. Mighty man of God. He's saying, guys, man, the stuff that I want to do, I don't, and the stuff that I don't want to do, I do. So he was frustrated. He says, you know, even, even the, the flesh stains the clothes that I wear. That's what Paul thought about the flesh. He hated the flesh because his spirit wanted to do right so much, but yet his flesh sometimes got in the way. Like us, why am I making that point? Because at times we can dump on ourselves, we can get stuck in our past, and we can continue to say, I'm not qualified. Well, let me say something. He's the one who qualifies you to be part of the family of God. He's the one who says, get back up. He's the one that says, I have made you clean. Don't call un something unclean that I have called clean. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to wrap up here. Why use... King David is a man as an example like us. He experienced both courageous victory and passive defeat. He experienced both courageous victory and passive defeat. A man after God's own heart, and yet at times he failed to do his part. We all have examples of some good and bad and ugly in our lives. We need discernment. God, should I go after this and, take, and, and address it or not? And David prayed that after the battle of Ziglag, they left uh, their stuff behind, their, their possessions and their, and, their, and their families. Well, while they were gone fighting the Battle of Ziglag, the enemy came and took their, their wives and their possessions. So when they came back, the guys were all mad and said, hey, you know, we're going to get rid of David. We're going to stone him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. So David said, God, do we go and overtake? Do we pursue this or not? And God said, go and pursue. You will recover. So at times we, we have the ability to, but we need to double check with God. Is this something you want me to stand up to or do you want me to stand down? What are you saying? There are men in my life that have said, Randy, you know, you're going to miss opportunities. 
And I look at them and said, <laughs> you went ahead of God and did it in your own strength. So once again, there's both extremes, gentlemen. Some of us will, will, take, will rip somebody's head off in a second, and others will think about it for a couple weeks or a couple months or maybe a couple years. Again, passivity can be disguised as patience, patience as, this, as passivity. Courage can be disguised as something that you want to just show off because you, you can, because I can do this. So again, as we talk about the variety of men that are here, sometimes God wants us to step up and sometimes he wants us to step back. And I'm going to wrap up with this last thing. You've heard this comment before or this, this quote, the only, the only thing that's necessary for evil to triumph in the world is for good men to do nothing. Now, it, doesn't, it shouldn't be pressure, but that should be motivation. It shouldn't be condemnation, but conviction. Gentlemen, we live in a time like no one, none other. So as I wrap up here, as we discuss just a couple of questions, um, my encouragement to you is that so you've hit the home runs, you've gone back to the dugout because you struck out. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to the reality of lives. P Peter, wow, walked on water, uh, you know, cut off the ear of the servant in the garden, um, addressed situations that nobody else would address, and yet he also denied Christ. So in summation, continue to lead courageously and reject passivity, but know, too, that that power emanates from the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you as we discuss some of these things at the tables, that, Father, there'll be opportunities to be encouraged, to share our lives, to share sometimes, God, the good, bad, and there's some ugly. And, Father, I thank you that uh, we will not uh, uh, keep ourselves in the past, but, Father, to strain towards what is ahead. As Apostle Paul said, um, I do not look back. But, Father, uh, I thank you we can look forward. What is behind is behind, pressing forward to that call of heaven, onward in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name.